Welcome to Game Over Montreal. We're covering another Montreal Canadiens win. What the hell is going on? We're not used to this. I'm going to welcome in my guests tonight, Laurie Bennett and Sto- Stove Dingle, I think uh, Robert told me your name is. Yes, pronounced Stove. Hello. It's wonderful to join you. Thank you for coming on, both of you. Uh, I I don't even know what to talk about because uh, this is unfamiliar territory. This is... We haven't seen four straight Habs wins since, uh, I mean, the last time Dom Ducharme wasn't coach, which was against the Jets. Well, Imagine. I guess playoffs. They, would, they wouldn't have won four straight even in the playoffs. Well, they well, swept, swept. They swept the Jets, yeah. yeah. When, when, I know uh, they won Ducharme at least in... three straight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it hurts my this heart. This is true. This is true. It hurts my heart. Man. I mean, are we being mean at this point if we say Dom Ducharme should be fired again? Well, you know what is mean is I've noticed the Twitter trends because like after every like episode that we do, I'm like putting it out onto social after I upload it as a podcast and every single one of the last four wins on Twitter in Canada and in Montreal, the top trending topic has been Ducharme. Dude. Like, like not not St. Louis, like not St. Louis Ducharme. <laughs> it's got to be okay. hiding in a hole. There's there's been a a common theme I think in Canada. Uh, well, the Oilers are about to ruin uh, what I just what I'm about to say, but um, we've seen three Canadian teams fire their coach, and all three Canadian teams, while flawed, were surely better than that they were better than how they performed i thought that about the canucks thought that about the oilers oops i mean it is tampa and uh montreal i mean someone has to finish last and they had a lot of reasons to struggle but last i was i was shocked with um and i'm just i'm happy to be here on a on a happy stream with with you buddy because there were there were many pep talks uh, about a month or two ago where i was like you talk about all, I don't know, all the young guys, and you're like, the young guys are doing terribly. And I'm like, oh, um, <laughs> I don't know what to talk about then. So now at least you have that. Yep. Yeah. At least the young guys are killing it now. Uh, Nick Suzuki with two goals tonight, Caulfield with another. And yeah, that top line. I mean, Josh Anderson took a puck to the face tonight, which it appeared to maybe hit him in the visor, but like kind of go into his eye kind of thing. So we'll see how long he's out. Didn't return back to the game. But that top line has been absolutely on fire since St. Louis put them together. And I, I wasn't sure it was going to work. But like in theory, it makes sense, right? Because Anderson does one thing really, and he does it decently well, which is speed and size and create some space. And then those two other guys can just take advantage of that space. And it's been great. Uh, I think Anderson's actually played his best hockey of the season. Maybe his best hockey as a hab over the last couple of games. Absolutely. He's um, uh, honestly, I, I've, I've thought that Anderson was one of the few habs that's looked mostly like himself for most of the season, but nothing like we've seen from him in the last few games. I mean, he's, he's on fire. Suzuki is Suzuki has always been, you know, sort of understated in everything he does, but he has been a beast. He was a beast tonight. He was everywhere. Uh, Caulfield. I mean, could this guy be any happier than he is to see Ducharme gone? Like, you know, they so like, he may as well wear a sweater. Uh, but the other thing I loved was that even when, um, when Anderson went down tonight, you know, I was waiting to see what he would do with that line. And I like that he threw off and up there, uh, tried to, you know, give them a little bit more to go on left, left Caulfield on the left and threw uh, Hoffman up on the right. Not not going with you know throwing up Lekkonen or throwing up to Zeta or doing something ridiculous like that and uh, it looked good. They continued to look good after Anderson went down. Yeah, they did, and I feel like there was points in this in this game, especially in the second period. I thought where, and I, I mentioned it on Twitter, it, it looked like the Canadians were toying with their food a little bit, like when a cat catches a mouse and doesn't want to eat it just yet. 
And like you look at the shot line and, you know, score effects are a thing and the, the Sabres were trailing all games. So it makes sense that they outshot the Canadians. But even then, it didn't really seem like the Sabres were creating like they Montembeau had to make some tough saves for sure. But overall, it didn't seem like the Sabres were doing that much. And the Canadians were just like they'd get into the zone, get a dangerous chance and overpass it a little bit, trying to be too fancy. But it never really felt like the game was in reach, even when it was only two nothing. The shame about that is like the, the Buffalo Sabres have been shambolic for years now. But this year, I mean, the bar is so low for expectations. And every time I've checked up on them, I'm like, oh, look at them go. Like they look they look happy to be playing in a Buffalo Sabres uniform and they're winning sometimes in the ones where they're losing. They're not getting completely caved in. There was a lot of last year's Sabres tonight. And I mean, I, I don't know how you motivate yourself at this point in the season when you've obviously got no shot at the playoffs. But part of me wonders, like, how don't you look at the standings and look at Montreal and go, okay, we have to at least beat them. They, uh, they've they struggled to get goaltending. They finally have their starter back. They're, I think, 58-year-old starter. <laughs> and uh, It was great tonight, by the way. Yeah, like, they got some saves, and I don't know, the Habs, take it from me, they, they have a... They have a way of uh, making you look like crap. <laughs> Lately, anyway, that hasn't been the case yeah. all season long. No. Like even even in games where you're like, oh, okay, this is a game where they'll show up. They'll they'll do something interesting, and it's been like, oh, they lost they lost seven to three. Okay, okay, yep. great. But I feel I feel like as much as you know, the turnaround from certain skaters has been huge. I feel like the biggest change in what the Canadians have been actually able actually to do lately is that Sam Montembeau has turned from a guy who gives up a lot of goals early or a lot of goals late to a guy who's just playing really well. And I don't know what his save percentage is since the, the clock turned to the new year, but it seemed like since 2022, he's been legitimately very, very good. And the only down part he's had was when he was playing despite an injury because Caden Primo was given up at the very least, five every half game he played, and Montembeau would have to go back in because it was like musical chairs of goaltenders every game. I think it was like five straight games where, where the goalie got pulled. You have to be happy for him. I mean, he, he for him to get this opportunity, claimed off waivers and then get this opportunity, and then to have to play behind this team, uh, not exactly not exactly the, the setup you want when you're trying to make a name for yourself as a goalie. But he's battled through it, and now he's getting to shine a little bit. Uh, but the other, I, I think the other big change that um, is a little less talked about is the change on D since St. Louis came in. Like it's, you know, watching Montreal all season, it was like wide open lanes. It was like a speed skating contest. Who could get to the wide open lane first and just go in on a, you know, breakaway two on one, three on one on the poor youngster in the back. And uh, it's a lot more crowded back there in the Montreal D zone tonight. Like there are a lot of interrupting passes, a lot of sticks, a lot of uh, bodies ready to take, you know, interrupt a play. And yeah, it's the Sabres, but I, I think there's been a lot of improvement in the D group uh, since, since St. Louis came along. And, you know, if we, according to reports, there were attempts to make those adjustments before he did. Uh, and that didn't, didn't shift anybody, but uh, I, I think they're looking better in their own end for sure. Fire Dom again. No. <laughs> up, up front, um, there's a speed uh, belligerence and a magnetic pull that they play with when they're at their best. And it just, when I was watching tonight, it just felt like everything was streamlining, uh, stream, streamlining right at the Sabres net. And, um, Berkshire, a question, if I can turn the tables. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, this has been an awful season up until now. Where does Nick Suzuki getting a penalty shot and scoring rank in terms of interesting things happening on ice to the Montreal Canadiens this year? Ooh, I mean, it's not that hard to rank high. We'll, we'll say that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, off the top of my head, I feel like this Caulfield scoring streak probably ranks number one just because sure. it's it's weird to watch him 
right now and also believe that the first half of the season existed for him. Like it's just two completely different players. And I saw uh, Mike Kelly on Twitter did a segment. Uh, I, I think it might've been for the NHL network talking about where Caulfield has been shooting from. And over like the first uh, 30 or so games of the year, I think 31 games under Ducharme, he had like 52 scoring chances and, a bunch of shots from out, out far and coming into this game in six games under St. Louis, he had 25 scoring chances already and <laughs> zero shot attempts from the perimeter zero. And I was like, okay, so he's been told don't be satisfied with any shot. Just like go where you want to go, make a mistake. And like the Suzuki thing was great. And I feel like he is, a fantastic player in the future of this organization. But one thing that I don't like about Suzuki that he still did in this game is I think he's so conditioned to think defense first that he'll go in on a two on one and he'll kind of like peel off and hang back on the boards and look for like a trailer pass. And sometimes that's great. But when it's every time it's just like not quite aggressive offensively enough and he has so much skill, I want to see him drive down and get closer to the net and like, be willing to make a mistake. Whereas like Caulfield is very willing right now to make those mistakes. And yeah. I remember when St. Louis took over, one of the things that stuck with me from his opening press conference was that he would rather a player make a mistake than not be willing to make a mistake. And I was like, a coach said that an NHL yeah. coach said he wants his players to make a mistake. That's like music to my ears, like offensive guys, take your chances. I'm going to keep playing you. That's beautiful. So like, it's weird that, Outside of Caulfield, I feel like that's like my highlight of the whole season from just a hockey fan perspective is listening to St. Louis talk. And I, I listened oh, to a podcast sure. that he did uh, a year ago where he was being interviewed about his philosophy of the game. And I was like, yeah, everything he says, I'm like, yes, this is what I've been saying. And I'm like <laughs> an NHL guy actually wants like, uh, like the elite talent to actually take over. It, it's great. And it's just such a rare thing to hear from an NHL head coach. I hope it works out for him overall because if he has a chance to truly implement what he wants to do and it's successful, I think there's a possibility that it could change a lot NHL wide. Fans are worried now that he's going to screw up the, the tank. <laughs> That's the biggest worry. <laughs> the most, the most interesting thing on Habs Twitter tonight is everybody freaking out that, uh, that he might screw up the tank. Um, but I, I'm, I'm hoping that some deals start happening soon that even Marty won't be able to slow down the, <laughs> down the rush to the, to the tank. He might screw up the tank, but anyone they were thinking of dealing. Oh, the, the price just went up. Just went up. Yeah. Everybody everybody are you kidding me oh well, yeah they're, like they're the, gonna get a few ransoms the price on petrie i feel like has gone up significantly because sure. he's night yes. and day and i know that uh, a few of the insiders were saying that, like gms were still respecting petrie and they knew the player that he was and it wasn't really affecting the price point but like a little bit at his age you have to wonder you know like did this guy just fall off the cliff he clearly has not fallen off the cliff things were off the rails for him absolutely Decision-making, not so great. I think Ducharme's system clearly annoyed the hell out of him based on the quotes <laughs> that he had during the year. But yeah. I was reading, or I guess watching a video actually from uh, Jack Hahn, and he was talking about how the Canadians shifted from a zone, a zone defense to a man-on-man -man defense under St. Louis as opposed to Ducharme. And you know, like part of the advantages of a zone defense is that you're supposed to be a little bit more conservative in your own zone so you close off like those cross crease passes much more effectively, but I don't know how it happened, but the Canadians were playing that style and still victimized by those passes all the time, all yeah. season long. And it's like, I don't know if it's a personnel issue and it was just the wrong style for them, but it just, you mentioned sticks and lanes, Lori, like it's night and day what they're able to cut off through the middle right now. And it seems like everybody knows where they're supposed to be. Well, how frequently after, after a goal or after a, you know, a high risk chance, do you, did you see like D standing around either like, you know, the, the Romanov, like big eye jaw slack, sort of slack jaw sort of look where like, what the shit just happened? Or, or you've got, you know, Petrie sitting there looking poisoned, wanting to hurt somebody. 
because nobody was where they were supposed to be. And like, it, it wasn't working for whatever reason, maybe, you know, they had a fair number of fairly inexperienced D playing in, in together in games this season. Um, I mean, obviously they got it last year in the playoffs. I, like maybe I'm, I'm not as convinced they bought into Dom last year as they bought into each other, but, but what, whatever, like they're, they're, they're certainly um, adjusting differently to whatever the new scheme is. And those confused looks, those lost, you know, where the heck were you sort of expressions are, uh, are kind of missing. So that's, that's not a sad departure for me. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's so easy to dunk on Dom right now and i i just i feel bad because like it is kind of fun you know to join in on like the the dog pile but at the same time i look and i saw an explanation recently that i i think makes a lot of sense and that dom was ready to be an nhl head coach with shea weber in the room with carrie price in the room right. and now that those guys are gone he still brought the same philosophy as last year thinking that everyone would fall in line because they did because dad was there to like slap sense into guys and price was there to back everything up. Right. And now that they don't have that, you know, like it just didn't work and he wasn't able to adjust his approach at all during the season. And I hope he gets another chance because I think his track record of success before the Canadians was very strong and, as much as I, I agree, I don't think it was necessarily buying into Ducharme's system last year that got them to the Stanley Cup, because frankly, they were still running Claude Julien's system. Like, nothing that remarkable changed last year. I, I just feel like he still did make the Stanley Cup final. I, I yeah. feel bad for the guy right now, yeah. because how much worse could you possibly look than a team going from, like, five straight games where they're getting absolutely blown apart at the seams and have nothing going for them to th three yeah. games of adjustment and they win four straight and look damn good doing it. I hope that Dom Ducharme is somewhere in Cuba where the cell phone reception and the internet connection is absolute shit. And he's <laughs> just, <laughs> he's just drinking, you know, having a, having a drink on a beach and stays there for a long time. Uh, until some of the chatter dies down and and he'll get his chance to do you know he'll be an assistant somewhere and work his way back in i think uh but you know maybe not next week but i hope he's i hope he's far away from the chatter because it right now it, it's looking really yucky for him <laughs> you know how, how things have shifted does not look, reflect well on dom he'll land on his feet no problem i mean uh, li like you said he he took the long road uh he's you know you sort sort of put into a weird position, joins a team mid season. All of a sudden you go on this run and we can't pretend like he had nothing to do with it. Circumstances change pretty aggressively. And while the Habs have won four straight, and I certainly don't want to dampen things on this Hab stream. <laughs> I mean, sometimes the, the new coach shine wears off. Oh, for sure. Um, I yeah. mean, the cannot, <laughs> At Christmas, I predicted the Canucks would make the playoffs because I I thought that shine was never coming off. Um, you know, you can't. It's it's difficult to quantify magic, except the magic went away, and then all of a sudden you have the team that you gave Travis Green. Except now it's Bruce Boudreaux, and it's not exactly the same. Um, but man, something about that building, something about that goal horn. Something about Martin St. Louis behind the bench. No offense to Bruce Boudreaux. It's it's not the presence of, um, you know, Captain Thunderthighs himself. <laughs> I mean, they're intimidating. They're horrifying. That Pete Blackburn meme uh, it kept me up. Um, but uh, Was Pete the one who did the Leafs logo squish between the legs? Yeah, it oh, disturbed God. me. It disturbed me greatly. Pete's um, so great. Yeah, but right now, man four straight doesn't look like they're going to slow down uh if they were to slow down i'd be curious to know what it would be like think, what would be responsible for it i think it would probably be the goaltending going down a little bit and like i think caulfield is shooting at like 
40% or something since the coaching change. Like that, we all know that's not going to last. I think his after shooting negative 20. Yes, exactly. So, right. So I, what I'm interested yeah. to see is if Gallagher starts scoring, because it was pointed out on the broadcast today that he does not have an even strength goal this season. He has an empty netter, but he does not have an even strength goal this year. And he's doing the right things. He's doing Brandon Gallagher things, but th- just, it's been a nightmare. Like the, the nightmares for this team have been never ending. And, you know, there was a lot of talk last year during the playoffs that Gallagher was like done or uh, never going to play the same way again. But like, I'm not sure I buy that. I know his hand was blown up last year. I don't see that being a big issue right now. It's not like his, that his shooting is bad. It's just that he has been super unlucky. Like pucks just bouncing over his stick. Last year in the playoffs, you could tell whenever he had the puck, he he could not handle the puck. And he was playing in a like pure shutdown role on that line with Phil Deneau. I think he was just totally thrown for a loop by not only losing Phil Deneau in the offseason, but then coming into this season, I remember when they like wrote up the lines, it was like Brennan Gallagher, third line. He'd been a top line player since like what almost a year Ever? after he had entered the league yeah yeah you know i feel like that in a, in a third line and in a clearly defensive role again right yeah uh so he wasn't getting even though they were splitting up that line well by necessity he wasn't being cast in another role again he wasn't getting a chance to show off any offensive prowess i mean he's he's he looked pretty frustrated tonight he had a pretty good chance in close and wasn't able to finish and he looked pretty frustrated i don't think gallagher's done i don't know if his age bracket um and uh, along with the contract i don't know if it's going to match what the Habs are going to do um but i don't know how easy it's going to be you know he might he might be a sticker just because i don't know how easy it is to move him right now Um, yeah i think if anything if he does get moved it'll be like it'll be this off season and it's going to be to la i see dustin brown coming off the (laughs) books mark bergevin absolutely loves him Bill Deneau is already yeah. there. I'm just yeah. reading tea leaves here. It makes sense to me. LA coming into their competitive window very soon. Makes I think. Sense. Yeah, it. I think he'd be a perfect fit there. Yeah. I'm not sure I want them to move him though at this point because after moving to Foley, I feel like you yeah. got to have somebody there who bleeds for the crest mm-hmm. and is a veteran, even in a rebuild. So if he wants to stay. I mean. Who knows if you want to want to stay for a rebuild? It depends how deep it goes, but you got to keep somebody, right? Like that's a piece that's not clear to me. I mean, does he want to stay? Every time he uh, references it, he talks about the length. Depends on how long it is, right? He wants to win, and he's hoping that it's not going to be too long. Uh, <laughs> the rebuild. So you know, I, I don't know. Like I think I'm not convinced he wants to stay. I, I don't I, like. I don't think he would ever ask to leave. I don't think he can imagine him somewhere himself somewhere else. But if it was a decision that was made for him, I don't know if he would fret too much. That's I I, you're trading him at the bottom of his, his value. Yeah. And yeah. if I have it correct, tonight was the 34th game of the season for him. So I I didn't realize how bad he was struggling. Like last year, I think was sort of a down year for him in a lot of yeah. ways. Uh in 35 games, 14 goals, nine assists, 23 points. This year in 34, four goals, eight assists, 12 points. I mean, what are you getting for that? Um, what, yeah. you're, you're, you're buying you're the reputation. Reputation yeah. and nothing else. Um, there's, to me, there's no incentive in dealing them. Just, just keep them. Yeah. I, I like the, the idea of bleeding for the crest, like you said. I mean, you gotta, you have to add a little bit of romance to the Montreal Canadiens. You do, and every team that strips it to the bone kind of gets stuck in. Like, look at what the Sabers are, right? They're rebuilding yeah. on their rebuild. We're going to have to move on from Gallagher here because we got like three or four different comments here being like, this is a happy stream. What are you doing? Why are you talking about these? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody wants to see Gallagher gone. He's he's the fan favorite forever. And I mean, somebody brought up uh, that he blocked a shot tonight with 50 seconds left in a four nothing game. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, here, here, I'll lighten the mood. Here's a list of teams the Habs are about to pass in the standings. So we got. Oh, no. no, don't do that. They <laughs> <laughs> make everybody even more mad. I feel like th- they have a very outside shot of getting up to like 30th. You know, and it, that, it, 
Yeah. It's man, yeah. they're eight points back in New Jersey who's got two two games in hand. Yeah, guys, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> You're fine. I, I think they You're can good. win a little bit. And is is the winning stops and they keep playing like they did the first three games of St. Louis, I don't think anybody's gonna be upset, right? Because no all they want to do or all they want to see is like guys playing with pride, guys caring. Yeah. And like Steve, you talked about it on your show before yeah. Ducharme got fired. The level that they were playing at was below NHL quality. It just you you could not bring yeah. that back into the arena when people are paying for tickets. Like you just cannot charge people three hundred dollars to watch what was happening. No, no f- fans aren't stupid. Like, give me something to watch. Are we gonna lose tonight? Probably. <laughs> Is there someone I should watch? Yes. Here's a little Cole Caulfield for you. Here's some Nick Suzuki for you. Here's X. Here's Y. Here's Z. Who's in net? Well, it's some guy in his early 20s who we've just tied to the crossbars like Millhouse, and we're just assassinating his confidence until he's no longer an NHL option at any point in the future. No! All I said, and and I remember, uh, you know, getting some flack for this. I'm like, okay. At some point, it needs to become about pride. They got to get someone else in net. The Hamburglar. What a great solution. What, what, what are they a contender now? No, but they got a dude in his mid-30s in there uh, instead of a kid who's a yeah. legitimate NHL prospect. You know, there's look at all these things falling into place. Brilliant. It was brilliant. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like. Brilliant. Yeah. There's there are ways to be a competent catastrophe. For sure. And, and that's what they are now. Before it was just we all felt very bad. And that's an improvement. This is great. Yeah. And frankly, Caden Primo is very well served to be in the American Hockey League right now because he's played four games since he's gone down. He is uh I think two and two. And an above 900 save percentage, which is a huge improvement on the, like, what was he at? Like 850 or something in the last little while. Like that high. It, it was a rough scene. Yeah. I mean, slightly better bad. than Carter Hutton. Oh, hey, 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 <laughs> he's going to be great now. You watch. I mean, it happened with Jack Campbell. I was looking back because the, there was uh, a lot of talk about Leafs defense, right? And sorry about bringing up the Leafs. I know people get very sensitive to it, but we've got Steve Dangle here. We're going to talk about Leafs a tiny bit. But and Jack the Habs Campbell's... they need. Yeah. We can talk <laughs> about the Leafs and the Habs they need. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Now that Jake Muzzin is on long-term injured reserve, Ben Sherratt has become so valuable for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Jake Muzzin's a lefty too, isn't he? Yep. He sure is. Oh, Ben Sherratt slots in perfectly. Physical guy. He can skate. He can have a sub 40% goals four percentage in the playoffs. He's quarterback your power play. Quarterback <laughs> your power play. Oh my hey, he's god. Got a wicked shot. He can pinch. Dom. <laughs> I really am never gonna forgive them for losing that series. Or just or like it was all there. <laughs> it was all there. Red carpet. And they blew it. Oh, anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, I hope they don't get Ben Sherratt. <laughs> Not because he's bad. Um, well, a little bit. But um, because I think the Leafs really need to rethink the trade deadline. Um, for a number of years now, um, they've bought. I haven't even really hated their buying moves. It sort of gets lost that he was actually pretty good in the series that he played for the yeah, least. I feel like he was arguably one of like that line with him and Marner and who else on that line? Was it Marlo? Uh him, Marner, and Marlo, and it was a makeshift line because someone was hurt and I can't remember who. Um and they were that good. line was like excellent. It was very good. Um, but they've spent so many assets on buying in recent years. And they've passed up on so many assets by letting UFAs walk because it's an own rental or whatever. Hyman, the most recent one, JVR was a high profile one. That's happened to them so many times that I would like them to get creative 
and get someone who's going to stick around for, uh, you know, a little bit. Uh, ben Sherratt on top of possibly not being that good uh, and being on a divisional rival uh, is extraordinarily expensive and he's going to leave immediately. Um, I just don't see that as a fit. Do you? No, you know what I see as a fit for <laughs> Toronto? I don't I don't think that there's any possibility that they could fit it under the cap. But you know who would really take Toronto to the next level from Montreal? Jeff Petrie. Yeah, like, sure. yeah, you think? Jeff Petrie brings toughness that you want in front of the net. He's like surprisingly physical. He moves the puck well. He can run your PP2 or play there with Sandine if you want to play a little bit more safe and do 2D instead of uh, four forwards. He's a, usually an okay penalty killer. And at even strength, man, he is bonkers good. Like even this year when he was like nothing went right. If you actually look at what it was like, how the Habs were playing when he was on the ice versus off, still like incredible impact at even strength. He is really, really damn good. And it's a, I think he's got two more years on the contract after this year at 6.25, which is hefty. But man, I feel like that could be for what you're getting. I feel like he's fantastic. And if the Canadians hey, make me an Canadians, offer, if the Canadians like, uh, absorbed some of the salary. I don't know why they'd want to let the Leafs win the Stanley Cup because they got it, Jeff Petrie, but uh, that'd be a little bit painful. I think. Yeah, would Jeff be... Petrie lift the Stanley Cup as a, as a Maple Leaf. I already didn't like watching Thomas Buchanan play in a Leaf jersey. That was gross. Yeah, I, I gotta say, like, uh, when Yager was going through his swan song and uh, signing with the Flames... Uh, someone asked, like, hey, do you want Yager to play for the Leafs? I was like, no, because it'll look silly if he ever did. Like, and uh, but Yager ended up playing for everybody sort of at the end. But Placanitz to have that one little blip on his hockey DB. Yeah. Bleh. Bleh. Yeah, no, looks. I don't like it. I don't like it yeah, very much. Yager, Yager is like the one exception because he, he did his like NHL tour. I just really wanted him to end his career in Pittsburgh. I, that's what I wanted more than anything, but it's fine. Mm. He goes back still. to Claude. No, <laughs> he goes back still, 50 still plus going. years old. <laughs> Why not? I, it's uh, it's the theme of the day. Sean Avery came out of retirement today. Yeah, it's true. Maybe they could be on a line. God. <laughs> of all the guys to come out of retirement. Just not. Petrie would work. Yeah. He, Petrie would work there. He, he, it, like he would work there, but I don't know if he wants another Can- Canadian market. I mean, yeah, that is the thing. He, yeah. he wants to move to the U.S., so I don't know if that would would fly. But John Klingberg is the guy that I think makes most sense for the Leafs. Uh, but you know, it would have to come with the condition of being re-signed, and he wants a fortune. That's the other piece that is going to be tough for Toronto. Yeah, and the Leafs can't afford any more big contracts. No, they can't. No. So okay, this is actually this is good. This this ties into a conversation we had today on the STP. Why? do we never see a team acquire a player with term who they clearly cannot keep? They, they got them for a playoff run and that's it. They can't keep them and then flip them. So what Adam and Jesse argued is, well, that's not great business. You know, players probably won't like that. Well, this is kind of an interesting situation. Hey, Jeff, listen, you're going to play in Canada anyway. You're already playing here. You're going to go play in a different part. You're going to do it for a little while. It's a great group of guys. Hopefully you go on and do some things in the playoffs, maybe even win a championship. And we promise, you, you know, scouts we'll trade you to Detroit, you know, we'll trade you to anybody, anybody at the draft or in the off season or whatever. Like, it could a situation like that work not for everyone, but for Jeff Petrie. Yeah. I, I think he'd be, open. I think he'd be open to it. Honestly. I think there's obviously stuff there with his family where I don't know if you're aware of Steve, but his family has been in Detroit the whole season. They've been separated. Oh, so like, I think that's part of the reason why he was struggling. Cause I feel like that's just something that doesn't get talked about enough. 
the human no, factor nearly. of it, right? Like, yeah. no. I can't imagine being away from my family like that. And I know that NHLers are more used to it than you or I would be, but always being away is a little bit different than being away every other week, you know? And I feel like that would wear. But Detroit's not that far from Toronto, right? No, that's true. That is true. I'm telling you, man. There's it's something interesting there because he we we can agree on two things. One, they could use him. Two, they cannot keep him. Yeah. And this it's the sort of sort of unconventional outside of the box thing I hope for from uh, this front office. So I As don't know. Which means a, a first. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> but man, ah. Oh. It sucks because I thought he was just what they needed to. And we we didn't know. We didn't know how bad it was. And then I saw on the on the Amazon documentary when they were helping him, when, when they were uh, uh, yeah. two, two guys under his arms, I'm like, he's cooked. He's yeah. cooked. If you don't have your back, you don't have anything in hockey. And it's, it's over. It's over. Ah. Why? Why? Is it because I'm here? Why? <laughs> hurts hurts my heart. But you're you're right. Like I don't think they can uh, Dubis is I think you'll pry that first from his cold dead hands unless it's Philip Forsberg and then you can have it. Oh yeah, I saw yeah. that they were shopping him today. I don't know if I buy that. I think that's just aggressive negotiation from the Predators. They're, aren't they I in a freaking right. playoff spot? Like there's no way. They are. They're like they, in Deep in the playoffs, yeah, they're sure. like second check. in the division after Colorado, aren't they? Like, they're not, or maybe Minnesota's higher, but there's no way they're trading Philip Forth. That makes no sense. They're in the top wild card, but like, they're pretty. They're gonna make it. Yeah, <laughs> they're also a sensible spot for Petrie actually to wind up in in, in uh, Nashville. Yeah, they um, traded all their right D away. Yeah, they. That's yep. a good landing spot for him. Um. So maybe we can swing a threesome there with Leafs, bring in, bring back Forsberg, shop him over for spare parts. You know, I, why aren't we talking about Vegas and Tampa? <laughs> the salary yeah. cap doesn't apply. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think Vegas is in pretty deep now with the whole like $10 million they have to clear nope. before Mark Stone can come back. No, nope. it's possible. They can do it. No, the salary cap doesn't exist. I always say, yeah, it's I, the 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 flip I kind of like, but I don't know. I think that's a pipe dream for sure. I mean, there are always teams that are willing to do the the three way trade, but I feel like it's you get like maybe one of those every couple seasons, and Nashville's yeah. been a part of one in a recent year, and they didn't do that well with it. With the whole uh, giving up Gerard and getting like Kyle Turris out of it, I guess eventually they got Matt Deshane, but it's also three-way deals are kind of tough. Um, like I understand the reason behind them, uh, you know, it's to make the cap work, but you lose so much of your leverage um, because now you're on the phone with not just one yeah. but two GMs who know you need them. Um, you know, people talk about the first and two fourths. Well, it wasn't just Columbus benefiting from that. It was the sharks as well. Um, who were the team who helped eat some of that cap and their price. I mean, name it, name it, go ahead and name it because, uh, without me, this deal does not get done and you're screwed. Yeah. So even though I'm giving you nothing, I'm giving you everything. So you, you got to pony up. It's uh, three-way deals are they're they're rare for a reason. I don't think it's because they're uh, impractical. I think it's because they're hard to win. Yeah, yeah. There's always somebody who comes out looking like a fool. Not Colorado, that's for sure. Well, we'll say that one. Uh, nope. There was a comment here a while back that I wanted to bring up. They were saying uh, there's rumors out there of Josh Anderson being moved. What would the return look like? I'm kind of surprised that there's any talk of Josh Anderson being moved yeah. because I know we talked about him like he's been great lately. He has like legitimately better than I expected, but with his term, 
I would be surprised if Josh Anderson is movable. I know GMs love his profile of the the physical fast guy who can put the puck in the net sometimes, but the putting the puck in the net thing has not been a guarantee for Josh Anderson in his career. Uh, I I don't think he has as much value on the market as what he necessarily would if they're able to keep that top line together and maybe turn him into the player that he could be, if you know what I'm that's, saying. That's the thing for me. There's no rush. Why would you rush to move Anderson right now? He's young. He's still in the right age profile. Why would you rush to move him? If, you know, if in a year from now you're feeling like the rebuild is going to be longer than you might have thought or originally and, and he's not, you know, killing it in the way that you might hope he would with those two young guys, uh, then you revisited that point. But I like for me, it, it's not really logical to rush him to move Anderson right yet. Um, apparently, the rumor was that uh, the Rangers had a lot of interest in Anderson. That makes sense. Yeah. That yeah, makes see, sense. That's why people are talking about Lafreniere in the comments here. Everyone's like, yeah. Lafreniere to the Habs makes sense because – Oh, okay. you know, Gordon, Gordon <laughs> yeah, drafted him and he's struggling in New York. He's got the French name, but I think that's a pipe dream. I mean, not for Anderson. I could see it for, I don't even I can know. see them moving him. Yeah, I can see them moving can, him, but I think it would be for, but not for, player. yeah. There's, there's incentive for the Habs to move him because uh, next year he makes seven, the next year, eight, the next year, seven. So he's going into the bulk of his, you know, financial deal here. So that's the financial incentive for the Habs. Only a select few teams can take that on. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think Jeff could be one really of them. Cares. Yeah. No, I don't think he does either, but you never know. I don't know. Rich, <laughs> rich guys can be very cheap. Dan Hall says, don't take this from us, Andrew. They're they're building the trade for Lafreniere in the comments here. <laughs> okay. Lafreniere okay. Oh, Anderson. yeah. Yeah, but no, Lee, Lee fans are ridiculous with their trade proposals. You're right. I mean. No, no you're going to get the first overall pick for uh, Josh Anderson, for sure. <laughs> well, I saw something tonight about would they, would they trade the first overall this year for Lafreniere. I don't know if I'd want to do that, to be honest. I, I think I might prefer to trade it to the draft the center, but. Yeah. yeah, that's a tough one because Hughes has said several times now that if they can get players that are closer to the NHL, they will yeah. over picks. Yeah. Unless they're Shane Wright. <laughs> yeah, Shane. I feel like people are sleeping on Shane Wright a little bit this yeah. year because the talk has all been about like, oh, he's not generational. He's not McDavid or Matthews. But like everybody that I know that watches Shane Wright day in, day out, actual scouts who scout the OHL tell me that this kid is incredibly cerebral, hardworking, like just does everything right, elevates his teammates. And I think a lot of people watched two world juniors games where he didn't stand out that much. And they're like, this guy sucks. And it's just not true. I think he's a, a really good player and the way that he's been described to me and like, I don't watch him every game. So I'm not the expert on Shane, Wright, Is a larger Brendan Gallagher, but at center. And I'm like, mm, okay, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> like a nonstop engine who goes to the front of the net and yeah. makes every line that he's on incredible. That sounds all right. I yeah, that. I don't know if I give up that opportunity for a left winger. Um, as much as it would be nice to see him in Montreal, but he's having a slight, slightly down season offensively, and also, um, I think uh, he's being overlooked literally uh, because the guy who's going to go first the following year is Connor Bedard, and he's a video game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just because a guy is not another guy does not mean he is not the guy. Um, you know, if if you have an opportunity to get a very good player, you don't go, yeah, but he's not the best player. So I'm not going to get him. Well, Bedard's not available. Shane Wright, he's the best one. So shut up. Pretty darn interesting, that Shane Wright kid. Although, I mean, you got to win the lottery first. So we'll we'll see how that works for the Canadians because uh, 
They're poo-pooing their chances here with all these wins. Got to start okay. making trades. Got to clean out that D. Yeah, I mean, how shocking is it that they started this win streak after losing to Foley, who's yeah. who is frankly their best player this year? Or the problem, Andrew? <laughs> or the or problem? Oh my God! I saw <laughs> some random on uh, Calgary Flames Twitter saying that he was like toxic in the room, and I was like, literally everyone that I've talked to said that Toffoli was the most amazing person ever, and just his whole family is amazing. Same way we described Dodger. him as the de facto captain. Yeah, yeah. It, it evolved into the de facto captain in the absence of Weber, which uh, I'm not sure what that says about Gallagher, but that's mm. that's an interesting it was an interesting assessment. Yeah, I don't know if you saw Laurie, but I asked Tim Peel about that last. I show. heard about that. Yeah, because <laughs> there's been a like talk among Habs fans for years now, like should Gallagher be the next captain, or is he like too disrespectful to referees? And like you got to be able to talk to referees, be respected, right? Yeah. So I asked Tim Peel about it on the last show, and he said that. Like, if you would have asked him five years ago, he would have said, yeah, there's no way Gallagher should be captain. But he's matured a lot, and that now refs actually do like him. It's just that he'll never get the benefit of the doubt on any call. They're like, <laughs> so so still, not, still not helpful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they in, like, personal interactions, yeah. they don't mind dealing with him. He's not a jerk anymore. But if he touches a goaltender, they're like, we know, Brendan, like based on who you are, that you did it on purpose. So you're not getting the benefit of the doubt on that. Still wearing that hot mic, huh? Yeah. I uh I mean is that is that a Brendan Gallagher problem or is that a Tim Peel saying the quiet part out loud thing? Like where I Brendan mean, Gallagher gets called before he hits the ice. I think refs have their list of guys, right? That don't get the benefit benefit of the doubt or like that oh, if something oh, happens oh i cheered for nazim kadri i know <laughs> yeah i mean nazim kadri drew a lot of calls and then none yes <laughs> yeah he uh he man leafs fans got a little too loud about that and the league let them know leafs got leafs fans got too loud steve yeah but dude, it was he he was like the top penalty drawing guy in the league for like three years, and then he went something like 20, 25 games without drawing a call. Wow, because like refs Connor just McDavid said, treatment right there. Yep. They're just like, we're done with this guy. We're sick of him making a fool of us. And it wasn't until I think Babcock ended up saying something. He's like, Come on, this is ridiculous. In the way that he does. My my impressions out of out of practice. Yeah, it's not not well, the usual know, impression there, Steve. Come on. Those Babcock. Yeah, well, you know, he, he uh, you know, maybe he flops a little bit there, embellishes here and there, but, you know, he plays right, he acts right, and he should probably get a couple calls. How's that? A little bit better. Not bad. Not bad. I thought it was okay. I <laughs> you, 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 When you mentioned they still have to win the draft lottery, I was just thinking Steve Eiserman has had so many kicks at the can and yeah. never wins. And how funny would it be if Martin St. Louis team got the better of Steve Eiserman in that category? I just, I just, yeah, you see, yeah, there's something there. There's something there. There's, there's a little bit of, I got to think there's still a little bit of screw you there. And Martin may bring some of that Taylor yeah. Hall energy and just will the Habs to a first overall pick. I mean, at this point, I'm ready to give St. Louis like the Jack Adams because I, I've never seen oh. a turnaround like this. So maybe he could do that as yeah. well. Like, I know it's just it's new coach fever for sure, but it's really funny to see not just the attitude of the players, like which is completely night and day, but also media. And it's a combination, of not just St. Louis, but like the incoming new management group and then yeah. them hiring Chantal Maccabee to be part of their media program thing and everyone in media loves her, but just like everyone is all, you know, like sunshine and rainbows right now. And then you, you look at the standings and you're like, they're still not good though, but they are playing. well. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see the first misstep. Yeah. The first, the first thing that goes off the rails, uh, because there will be one, it's inevitable that there will be one either real or perceived. Uh, you know, I saw some complaints today, even when when they uh, named uh, 
their cap guy, Sedwich, Sedgwick, Sedgwick, Sedgwick. Mm. Anyway, yeah, John Sedgwick. When they named him, uh, yeah, when they named him uh, the AGM, I saw some complaints about you know, what about the diversity? What about you know, when are we going to get? When are we going to start to see the diversity hires and so on? And um, you know, there's there's eventually going to be a misstep in this group that that is going to draw some attention and when that or perceived misstep. And when that happens, it'll be interesting to see how how long the rainbows last. Yes, for sure. Who's, I think who's the first guy under 25 to get benched. <laughs> That's usually question. what does it. Yeah. I mean, there's only yeah. so many guys, really, I guess. Like you could argue mm-hmm. that uh, if there's anything to pick on, maybe like Ailing hasn't been as good since the coaching change. Cause I think Ducharme really did like him, but uh, other than that, we'll have to wait and see. Um, about the diversity thing, I think that I was, I'm kind of thinking that too, because the Canadians did promise diversity in yeah. hiring and it has not appeared yet. But I, I wonder if it's one of those things where we, we kind of have to give them until after the draft because. For sure. There's time where they're going to be trying to hire people off of other teams, but you can't really do that right now. And I I don't want to say that we shouldn't be talking about it because we should, and we should definitely hold them accountable for saying they're going to do it. And look what the Vancouver Canucks have done because there's talking the talk and walking the walk. But I also don't think it's time yet to throw in the towel and say that they won't. But if we get to the end of the summer and they haven't, then Six months. Pitch got six months from now. Six, the six month window from now. And if it then's the time to complain if they haven't done something. I mean, they came into a complete shit show. They weren't going to go out and focus <laughs> on hiring, you know, a crowd of people they didn't know. Uh, they were going to hire hire guys they knew and trusted and knew could get shit done. You know, that's that's what happens when you go in when you're an executive that walks into a shit show that you got to clean up. You don't go hiring a bunch of strangers and you know trying to fluff up your your group that stuff comes later i think i think it'll come you know i think you will see some of those hires maybe sooner than six months i I, i'm expecting one hire before season's out that will uh that will probably put a different light on it but by end of summer i think you have a different looking group yeah Uh, and right now they're focused on filling in the blanks that have been grossly neglected for a while yeah and they have a lot of blanks to fill yeah they do there's usually like a post-trade deadline shuffle Right. Yeah. It goes on mostly right. with the non-playoff teams. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully we'll see something from there. I see somebody saying that they did try to hire uh, Mary Philippe Poulin. Listen, yeah. uh, Mary Philippe Poulin's 30 years old. I don't know what they were yeah. thinking, but she's not going to retire to work for the Canadians. And the whole ECHL thing that she was offered a contract, I think that's like, it sounds good if you don't think about it, but we just saw Mary Philippe Poulin play in a tournament where the women's hockey gold medal game was by far the most watched hockey game this year period. And the idea of giving her the like quote unquote opportunity to jump out of women's hockey at a point when it really needs her to help grow the game. It's not actually the opportunity that you might think it is. And I think that there's a very good reason that she turned it down so quickly. Playing in the ECHL is not going to grow her profile. No, no, and, and, you know, play, played in the most watched game while criticism continued about the existence of women's hockey at the Olympics. Right. So, oh, you know, yeah, I mean, just no, I, you know, the, the dynamic itself. Demano. Rosie Demano. Rosie Barton's good. I was Rosie like, Barton's there's another good. Rosie. <laughs> Rosie Demano. Yeah. Mm. She has thoughts. Sure yeah, does. Same thoughts since 1997. <laughs> Yes, that's right. That's right. That was a good little article we unearthed. <laughs> yeah, no, I I can, I don't know, if I was a Montreal Canadiens fan, it's, uh, who I like a good side story. You know, like, uh, I like that for a number of years, you know, oh, is anytime I hear Marie-Philippe Poulin's name or, oh yeah, she's thinking of hanging him up. Well, there's side quest. You know, she she could be coming. She yeah. might be here now, next year, five years from now. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they're she's not she's not ready uh to hang them up. I, she's ready for the role. She's not ready to uh be done. 
being the best yet. Generally speaking, it's uh, difficult to uh, lure away the best. Hey, can you stop that? Can you stop yeah. being the best and come work for us? I'm sure yeah, the may- maybe, American maybe team wait was like, she's yeah. A plug. Yeah, like she's uh, maybe wait till she's uh, barely making the team. But you might you might be waiting a while. Yeah, I think at the very least, Mary Fleet Plan wants another Olympic, right? Like she does. Yeah, she'll only be thirty four. She'll still be very good. She's still the best player in the in the world in her sport. Like she's not she's not leaving anytime. She's she's too damn good, and it, it's it's kind of weird. I mean, I I get it. And maybe it's, it is just laying the groundwork for when she does retire and she'll be essentially following the Wickenheiser path that went to Toronto. She'll go that way into Montreal. Who knows? But I almost, for Mary Philippe Poulain, I almost want her to continue to just be the, the face of women's hockey even after retirement. Like, build that. And get, yeah. I hope by then there's an actual, like, full league. And I know that the DHF exists, but, you know, there's still separation there between them and the pwhpa hope we can get a homogenous thing together where they all have an opportunity to play and compete in like one great league i feel like it would just have her be the gm or not the gm the uh, commissioner of the league that would be fun you mentioned Haley wickenheiser do habs fans know the ridiculous stuff that she's done over the last couple years like the whole like being a doctor yeah, like that's I, I don't know. I just feel like yeah. we've paid extra close attention to it because the Leafs have because she works for the Leafs. They've kind of highlighted it, but she was like right at the end of becoming a doctor pandemic hits. Yeah. And then she's dealing with that while becoming a doctor. It's the most ridiculous thing. And she was still maintaining her leaf role. And she was part of the Conquer COVID-19 fundraising, trying to get masks uh, when they were uh, in high scarcity at the beginning of everything. She is truly a superhero. Yeah. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. She is an incredible person and still doing like the skills coaching stuff on the side, which is crazy. And she got elevated into management this year, didn't she? Oh, yes. I forget the role. Let me look it up. Yes, she did. Yeah, because I thought there was like around the beginning of the season, she got promoted in in some capacity in Toronto, which is just. Director of player development. Okay. She's working with the kids. Yep, it was. uh, This was announced May 17th, 2021, and that was the best news the Leafs got in all of May 2021. Yeah, somebody says uh, the CH should hire Carol Amard for the analytics department. Hey, you can't steal our people. Hey, hey, hey no, we need her. Hey, listen, if she keeps doing the show, <laughs> she has to keep doing the show. It becomes the second Habs show on SDPN. Right, maybe she could keep doing it because I know like uh, Noxie said that she's coming out of retirement to continue playing. So, why yeah, not? that's. That's a funny one because, you know, I see that news and I'm like, eh, oh, and like had to be like, wait a sec, is where she's still going to do this, right? So uh, uh, apparently, yes. And hooray, I'm happy. All right. Uh, we'll we'll probably get close to turning her in here, but uh, let's ask Steve this. Uh, oh, boy. In a reasonable manner, so no Caulfields or Suzuki. You could pick somebody off the Canadians roster. For the Leafs to acquire at the deadline. Who is it? Oh, baby. Um, not Jeff Petrix. Okay. We already talked about that. Yeah, well, okay. Okay, fine. Uh, not Jeff Petrie. So we're probably looking at expiring deal, I imagine, mm-hmm. right? Oh, boy. Ah, this is a terrible mix of unappealing and expensive. <laughs> There's really <laughs> no happy medium in here at all um oh man i can tell you who i think the they could use the most okay here's who i think is a good fit um arturi lekanen um yeah he's a good fit is that anywhere. who you were gonna say no I, he's he can fit anywhere yeah, any that, team in the league he's a swiss army knife 
Yeah. Swiss Army knife and the Leafs, the way the Leafs are designed, they kind of need those because um, they're really built around these four big pieces. And if any of them go down, as we saw last year, um, it's kind of difficult to shuffle around. And if they didn't have Alexander Kerfoot, I don't know what the hell they would have done. But now you're looking at the second line and they need an upgrade on Kerfoot or, you know, at very least push him down. And I feel like uh, Lekkonen could uh, do that. Offensive presence, defensively responsible, fast as hell. I don't know. I like him. Yeah, my thought was Jake Allen. Because I mentioned this oh. on, on on Twitter earlier today, that when the Leafs acquired Jack Campbell, he had, for the last couple of years, because he was kind of like in and out of the league a little bit, the worst high-danger save percentage in the entire league. And when he went to Toronto, immediately it was like, he, he was below 70%. He was one of like three or four goaltenders in the league who was below 70%. And he immediately went to like 82%, which is like top of the league kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, over the last couple of months, he's back down to around league worst. So I'm like, is this something rearing its ugly head and this is what Jack Campbell actually is? Or is it uh, kind of just small samples and he swings wildly back and forth for long stretches? But it... It's a little bit worrying, and Mrazek is yeah. super inconsistent. But Jake Allen's had playoff series wins before. He's stolen a series before, and I know his numbers don't look good, but I can tell you with the utmost confidence, <laughs> he has been really, really good this year. Yeah, he's he was playing in front of the crew that would just wide open let people in to the, to the slot, so he was they, in his own. Oh, my God. You know, I mentioned this a week, a week or two ago, the idea of a potential Jack Campbell trade or acquiring someone to replace him. Yeah, and your it, uh, your buddies didn't like that idea, hey? Yeah, listen, at the time, it was a little bit nuts. And it's getting less nuts by the day. And I take no pleasure in that. I love Jack Campbell. Um, I love Jack Campbell stops all the pucks, Campbell a little bit better. Um, but like Kyle Dubas is essentially hanging his hat his entire career. He's basically betting his job on this season. Yep. And, you know, I've been saying if you don't upgrade at D don't even bother because in the first round, you're going to get one of the Panthers or lightning. Um, but I mean, you don't have a goalie. Forget it. Forget it. For, you know, sell the playoff shirts and, and whatever on the store. Uh, don't bother showing up to the games. It's <laughs> if, if you don't have a goalie, you're going up against Andre Vasilevsky. No, it's it's just not going to happen. The Tampa Bay Lightning are really annoying, frankly. The fact yeah, that I they know. have like everything perfectly placed. Like, come on. Two high-level centers. You got Nikita Kucherov, Hart Trophy winner, Hedman on the back end, and Vasilevsky. Like, come on, man. You can't build a team that no. good in the salary cap era. That's not fair. All right, one last thing. Uh, Steve, is Michael Bunting better than Zach Hyman? So we've had this conversation. He is not better than Zach Hyman. He is a better fit. I think he's just better. Wow, really? I do. I do think so. Already, that's interesting. I, I think he's a better fit because Zach Hyman, rather than being the heavy uh, and like he does provide something the Leafs lack, but rather than providing a heavy uh, defensive minded presence, uh, I, you know, he was tasked with being a babysitter as a rookie, essentially. And that was basically his role for his whole, his whole career the dynamic of the top line has changed entirely because now the defense is up to Matthews and Marner and bunting is free to wreak havoc uh, in front of the net. And what a bastard, what an absolute bastard. I'm so glad he's our bastard. Um, so better player. I don't know. Better fit. Yeah. And I'm a big Zach Hyman guy. 
Yeah, I figured that was going to be a little bit painful for you, but uh, I feel like b the acquisition of Bunting just it made that so much easier. You know, that's the Leafs are. I know the Nick Ritchie thing didn't work out, and I've said this before a couple times what? in the last couple of days, ever since the Nick Ritchie trade. But the fact that Dubis made three like bargain bets in the summer, yeah. And hit an absolute home runs on Kasha and Bunting, and then moved Nick Ritchie while solving a problem on D and not retaining salary. I'm like, geez, man. Yeah. Like, that's some tidy bit of business right there. Like, yeah. you're, you're doing what most Leaf fans have done, and that's pretend Peter Mrazek doesn't exist. And I appreciate that. That's true. I mean, he's going to get traded in the offseason. I hope so. <laughs> and on that uh, amazing note, we will end. Uh, we'll be back on Game Over Montreal on Saturday night, where I hope to be here with uh, Jay Baruchel, actually. I'll need to get a full oh. confirmation from him because he's got some other commitments that he has to make sure he doesn't have to do. But uh, is, uh, yeah. is he going to get baked and forget his commitment like he did in the playoffs? Or, Maybe. Uh... It's always a possibility with Jay, but uh, hopefully he'll be on with us. I mean, he likes uh, he likes me more than you, Steve. So very true, very true, and fair. He's right. He's correct. True. All right. So uh, before we head out, uh, Steve, everyone knows where to find you, so you don't have to say anything. But Laurie, tell everybody where they can find your work. You can find just about everything on Twitter, Laurie Tanhabs. Uh, and if you want to read my blog, it's at Habatter. WordPress.com, and I also write for an uh, East Coast newspaper, RackhousePress.com. Perfect. Thanks everybody for tuning in. As I've said many times, I know it's a little bit more hopeful right now, but if you're still tuning into this show in this friggin' season, I love you very much. <laughs> <laughs>